We try to rope off the back pews every once in a while because I, I feel so like, like this is the groom side, this is the bride side, like the bride side didn't have as many people show up, so I have to like kind of mosey up here. And, um, but we're so glad you're here tonight and um, I want to welcome you to Providencia. I, my name is Keith Case and I'm a pastor here. And um, we're in a series right now called Reimagine. And tonight we're talking about reimagining grace. We're going through our core values. And the first week was on our city. What does it mean to reimagine our city? The second week uh, was on your story. And then this week is on grace. The text tonight is from Matthew 5, verses 43 through 48. And you can follow along on the screen here behind me. uh, Or you can get your Red Pew Bibles out right there and read from there. Uh, I would recommend that you might want to get a Bible out tonight because I'm going to be referencing some other stories uh, from Scripture that you might want to uh, take a look at as well uh, from Luke 19 and then from Luke 10. So uh, just in case you want to follow along, uh, you might want to use those Bibles tonight. Starting in verse 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, What are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This ends the reading of the word of the Lord. Amen. So we are in this uh, reimagine series, as I said, uh, not reinvent, uh, but reimagine. And um, tonight we are talking about what does it mean to reimagine grace? To reimagine grace. Um, a grace for all. And the three points tonight, we're going to be talking about this idea of reimagining grace in the context of business. Okay? So that might be a little bit of a curveball for you. But the three points tonight is the business of loving your enemies, the business that transforms our industries, and the business that transforms our neighborhoods. Loving your enemies. Uh, we had uh, the business of loving your enemies. That's our point number one tonight. So I was at a conference for four days this past week. And if you ever send a pastor to a conference, most of them, if they're like me, come back and they're super hyped. So just, I want to apologize now. Uh, I was so excited and so inspired by my time uh, at the conference. The conference was here. It was at Orthodox Zion Primitive Baptist Church. I know that's a long name. Um, And it was really awesome. It was on faith, work, and economics. And I feel bad because in the midst of Dorian and all the other things that I have going on, I kind of forgot to invite you guys. Um, I was supposed to invite you all to be there. Uh, There was three other churches there, and there was like one or two people from Providencia there every night. Um, You know, Curtis came with me one night. David came with me one night. Um, But it was amazing. It was amazing uh, to be at their church. And it was so inspiring. And, and one of the themes that came out of our time together 
was that the church has historically here, especially in the U.S., for a long time now, been a buildup to Sunday. The, a lot of the energy and a lot of the money and the finances and everything that go into churches has been for Sunday evening or Sunday morning, if you worship in the morning. Uh, and they put all these resources into that. And the expectation is they're going to put on this incredible uh, production and that the whole city or whoever, the neighborhood, is going to come and see what we're doing here. But the reality is that the front lines of ministry, the places where uh, we are called to go and love, is not just the people here on Sunday night, but it's Monday morning, Tuesday Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you actually, more than me, are connected with people out in the city, out in the workforce, out in these industries, that you have the opportunity to love and shape in a way that I don't. You have access to industries that I promise you I do not have access to, and to people that I do not have access to. When we talk about that song, you know, this little light of mine, did you guys ever hear that song? I'm going to let it shine. That doesn't just happen here on Sunday night. It's awesome that it happens here on Sunday. But where it really has the possibility, the potential of happening is Monday to Saturday. Monday to Saturday. And so this shift that has to happen in the church from basically being about, hey, bring your friends to church on Sunday night. That's where we're going to put all our energy so we can grow this thing bigger and bigger and bigger is instead putting it into how do we prepare you for Monday morning? How do we prepare you for your work? How do we prepare you for the marketplace? How do we prepare you for your business? Because some of you here work 40 to 80 hours a week. You may work more than you do anything else. And if we have not prepared you to think theologically, to think in an engaged way how significant your work is and how significant the industry that you are a part of is to our world, we have failed you. So I was super excited. I'm at Orthodox Zion Baptist Church over on Australian with Dr. Chester, Dr. Bird, Dr. Davidson, all African-American pastors and we start dreaming about Australian, Australian Avenue. We start dreaming about like a renaissance of African-American culture in our city. You know, we have these incredible uh, buildings downtown. We have these, these high rises and skyscrapers. We have this restaurant industry and everything. And, and the African-American neighborhoods and community here had the potential to become a haven like Atlanta is for the African-American community. But it was systematically disassembled and destroyed here in West Palm Beach. But I want to tell you, my conversations with Dr. Chester especially, we started dreaming, like, what if Australian Avenue had, like, high-rises, had concert halls, had the best restaurants, was, like, a haven of African-American culture in this city. Like, the only thing I could compare it to is, like, Wakanda. I'm sorry. But I just, I was like, what if we built Wakanda here in West Palm Beach? 
we got so excited about the idea of how do we increase commerce? How do we create jobs? And the African-Americans that I was meeting at the conference that were there and their stories of like from plumber to manager of a business to owner of a business through trade school, the possibilities, the opportunities. I got so inspired, I was like, man, I wanted to come back here and start a business school for you guys. Because we have a ton of people in our church that are young professionals. And sometimes I get these text messages like, hey, Keith, like, uh, do you know anything like, like where I could get a job right now? I'm trying to find work. I'm this. And, and I didn't think about these things until much later in life. You know, in the church, like the music industry, for example, has benefited so much from the church. We've been training people for the last 2,000 years how to sing for free. Like how to play instruments. If you think about the music industry as a whole, all the leaders, all the musicians that are in the music industry that came out of the church. But the church hasn't been teaching you about other industries, about how to be a lawyer, about how to be a business person, about how to be an educator. Like we can do that. So I got super excited about this possibility. How can we train everybody in our church so they understand how money works? Because I know a lot of y'all just think it like comes one day, right? Uh, or, or it's something intangible. But you actually have, like if, you, if you, we were to write down a paper, the gifts that are in this room right now, the businesses that could be built that could actually transform our city to live out the text that Jesus you know, just spoke on the Sermon on the Mount. Like, it's unbelievable the possibilities that are here in this room. I want to see it happen. I don't know if that resonates with you, but I want to see that happen. I want to see you empowered, you empowered with gifts, with skills, with tools to build businesses that actually live out the text that we just read. And it may seem a little bit of a stretch here, but I think that this text is actually an economic text. It is a business text. It is a marketplace text. Jesus is teaching about grace through the marketplace, through business. And I may be making too much of a jump, but you have to forgive me. Um, in verse 43, he says, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. One of the speakers at the conference this week, he launched an investment firm that invests in like environmentally friendly, uh, ethically based companies. So for example, for those of you who have 401ks, which probably isn't a ton of you in this room, but for those of you who have them, right? If you were to go and look at your 401ks, so many of our 401ks are invested in the tobacco industry. And the tobacco industry over the last 100 years, I think, has killed 10 million people. And they say in the next however many years, it's going to be up to a billion. And a lot of people just don't know. They don't know that their, their funds are invested in things that if they knew, they would say no. So this guy was like, I want to create an investment company that actually has a way of finding ethical companies to invest in. 
And so he was sharing that with one of his uh, Christian mentors. And this is what the Christian uh, businessman said to him. You are not going to succeed. Business is business. You have to separate business from your Christian faith. As Jesus is saying this this verse, I'm, I'm just imagining it in the business world. You have heard that it was said, be good to your friends and hate those who are against you. Isn't that like business? Isn't that the way we think of business? Business. This has become a dominating liturgy of our society here in the U.S., and Jesus addresses it with this opportunity of reimagining. Not reinventing, but reimagining. He's actually quoting Leviticus 19, 18. And why we say that, that we're reimagining, not reinventing, is we don't want you to think like we're coming up with these new ideas. These are things that are like old ideas. We just haven't been talking about them in the church. And Jesus is bringing that up. He's going all the way back to Leviticus, and he's quoting Leviticus 19. 18, he says, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord your God. And Jesus is saying it's time to reimagine. The religious culture has gotten stuck in a rut. They've actually fallen into this trap of the cultural belief of thinking that we just love our neighbors and hate our enemies. But in verse 44, he says, love your enemies or agape your enemies or have kindness, benevolence toward your enemies. And when we apply that to the marketplace, imagine building businesses that are kind to other businesses, that are kind even to your competitors, even to those that may be against you. But it also is kind to its employees. It is for its employees. It wants to develop its employees. I talk to people all the time who work for companies and they feel like there is no higher. There is no way up for me. There is no next step. And so they just feel stuck. They feel stuck in a rut and they begin to be hopeless. And it affects them not just in the workplace. It affects their spirituality. It affects them emotionally. That we would have businesses that are benevolent, that are so kind, that they're investing in your future when you work there. That they're pouring into you and they're building into you. And there are companies out there like that. There are companies that do this. I don't know if you've talked to anybody who works for Lululemon, but people I've met who work at Lululemon, they're like excited about working at Lululemon. They feel like people are developing and building into them. So it's not just kind to the competitor, it's kind to its own employees and to its clientele. Because everybody's had clientele that they just don't want to have to deal with. Especially if you've been in the service industry of food. It's just like, oh man, sometimes you just want to run away. But to build businesses that deal kindly Kindly, even to those who we might call enemies. Now, a quick side note here. That does not mean 
if people are doing things against you, they're harming you, that that's okay. They are not okay. Um, sometimes in the church, we want to just, you know, belittle injustice. We kind of want to speed bump it and be like, oh, you know, you'll get over it. It's fine. You know, just keep loving people. But people have truly been harmed and truly been hurt, and that is not okay. So don't hear me saying that. Um, those things, injustice towards you are real, and justice is needed for those situations. Right before this text, in fact, Jesus talks about turning the other cheek or giving your cloak. And a lot of times I thought that that turn the other cheek thing meant just be a victim. You know, if Brittany stands up right now and slaps me, Brittany's right here on the front row. I don't know if you've ever been slapped by her. She can really slap hard. And, and, and the way Jesus is telling that text, though, is that she would have slapped me with the back of her hand like I was inferior. Like she could look down on me. And when he says to turn the other cheek, what he's saying is now turn so that they have to slap you with the inside of their hand. Because that means you're now equal. That doesn't mean you're inferior. That means you're actually on equal ground. Jesus isn't saying play the victim. He's saying let them see how human you are. When he says give them your cloak to... What he's saying is that you'll be standing there. You'll give them the cloak. You'll be standing there naked before the crowd, and the world will see what their greed is doing to you. That they would be confronted with the reality of their injustice. Kindness is not always a smile. When it says that God's kindness leads us to repentance means that he is for you but it doesn't always mean that he's making things easy no sometimes he confronts you with the realities of the injustice in your life in this process you do not diminish you actually become more alive so if you think loving your enemies means you become smaller and you wither away, and you just have to take it. That's not what it means. I don't think that's what happened to Jesus on the cross. Verse 44, pray for those who persecute you. And here he invites us into that delicate, reimagined space of prayer. And I just want you to know that for me and my enemies, I don't know if you have enemies, I have enemies, if you live long enough, you probably will have some. But these are some of the things that I pray for my enemies. I pray for God to bring them to their knees. I pray for them to see God face to face. I pray for them to repent. I pray for them in that process to be broken in the best way possible by their injustice so that they might heal. I'm reminded of Jesus' prayer on the cross when he says, for they know not what they are doing, that there is a reality that they are lost and they are blind. And so I leave you with that question that I just asked, but do you have enemies at work? Do you have enemies in your industry? Any clients that come up for you that you would consider enemies? 
Point two, business that transforms industries. And this is from Luke 19, 1 and 10, if you just want to follow along. But the story is of a tax collector. And in Jesus' day, one of the worst enemies to the Jewish people was the tax collector. They were a part of the oppressive system of the Roman Empire. They were Jewish, but they had chosen money, that form of provision, over their people. And not only did they take money and give it to the Romans, take it from their own people and give it to the Romans, they also took a little for themselves on the side. And then they had the Roman army to protect them. They were hated. And Jesus comes upon this one tax collector, and he was a chief tax collector, meaning that he wasn't just benefiting from the little he was taking on the side, but he was benefiting from all the tax collectors that worked under him. Because he would take a little bit from them too. He was a short man. His name was Zacchaeus. He heard Jesus was coming and so he scurried up this tree so he could get a look at Jesus. And Jesus sees him up in the tree. This grown man, this tax collector, hated, up in a tree. And it says he sees him. And then he gives him the dignity of calling him by name. He doesn't say, hey, tax collector, come down out of the tree. But he calls him by his name and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. Because I want to go to your house. And then what do the religious people say? Oh, he's going to dinner in the house of a sinner. He's going to go do business in the house of the sinner. He's doing business with the Roman Empire guy. What kind of guy is this? Verse 45, Jesus says that you may be children of your Father in heaven. And here it comes. Here's your economic verse. Verse 45, continuing. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. When Jesus is telling this story, we are talking about an agricultural-based economy. And when you're talking about the sun and the rain coming, what you're talking about is prosperity of your crops, that your crops are going to grow, that your economy is going to be good. And Jesus is saying, I let the sun and the rain come down on that field, and I let it come down on this field. I give to both graciously I give this gift not because they deserve it I give it freely God's business open-handed he gives it freely the sun and the rain do you know what happened when Zacchaeus had Jesus over to his house when Jesus came in and did business with him. Do you know what happened? Zacchaeus says, I will give everything. Lord, Lord, here and now, half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything,